Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Zina Sintoski here of MGO Fish, of the MGO Fish podcast. Again, it's not David Arnold. Dude's hella busy, aren't we all? Harry Hellman is joining me, the dynamic duo of myself and Harry. Harry, how is this? I had to look at my watch to check the day. The days blend together. It's Wednesday. Wednesday today. How's your Wednesday going, Harry? My Wednesday's going um, pretty much the same as the last <laughs> 35 days. Yeah. But I'm a little more excited because tomorrow we get we sort of get some sports. So That's true. This if, is... if you are inclined, we, we do have some sort of sports tomorrow. That's a great point. That's a great point. Of course, NFL draft starts tomorrow. That'll be uh that'll be exciting. Have you have you started tuning into the uh the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? I did. Last Dance was awesome. And yeah. my favorite part, I I love Michael Jordan documentaries so much because you can't talk about Michael Jordan without a significant part of that being how the Detroit Pistons used to bust his ass <laughs> out of the playoffs. Yeah. And they got too old. Like you cannot every single Michael Jordan documentary has at least fifteen to twenty percent devoted to the bad boys. Yeah. And you know what? We get our shine then. So um I thought episodes one and two were great. I uh I actually lived in the town that uh Michael Jordan was talking about. Peoria. Yep. I was like I walked into the room and all these dudes uh were just doing coke and stuff and <laughs> that's that's a little uh that's what we in the business like to call a little segue on the project I'm doing now oh. with Peoria resident. So, let's, little segue there. Let, let's start Wait. with that cuz cuz we got a couple projects that I'm going to talk about here and we'll we'll discuss, but this is one you've been you've been excited about Talk talk a little bit about what that uh what that project you have coming up. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's going to be uh, a strictly um, audio audio is that audible yeah uh, audible audible like, works like, like it'll be strictly podcast or auditory more, there you um, go auditory there we go that's why uh, you're our brains you're the only <laughs> actual uh, Michigan uh, grad. <laughs> uh, on the payroll right now, so uh, I'll be I'll be uh, doing some stuff with uh, former Michigan offensive lineman Logan Tully Tillman. Uh, I think he's got a fantastic story. Um, came from like a really uh, rough area, uh, Peoria, Illinois. Um, went to Michigan, was um, then. Uh, kicked off the team, but still graduated. First person in his family to get a college degree. Uh, bounced around three other schools as a grad transfer. Uh, no NFL. He had some tryouts, but he was also uh, a member of both the AFL and the XFL when they folded. So he's one of only a dozen or so people that were actually signed by both leagues at the time of folding. Yeah. And you, and you think about how you know, we all make mistakes. We all, you know, lose a job. We all get kicked out of things. We all, you know, maybe not all of us, but there's always ups and downs of, of what we do. And for him to, um, you know, go through a lot of adversity, keep going. And, you know, as AFL was going, XFL was, was ongoing. And now, you know, obviously things are um, kind of halted on, on the XFL front and things like that. So, you know, it's, 
it's got to be tough. It's got to be, you know, it'll be an interesting conversation to hear kind of his journey through that and the personal growth and development walking through that. I think it's so easy for us to forget about these guys who, you know, I follow Michigan closely. I don't follow, you know, where every player went ends up in their future careers. So I think it'll be, it'll be good to, to hear that just from a humanizing aspect, you know, cause it's so often that, you know, a lot of us are guilty and forgetting that, you know, I was, I was a college age, aged kid, you know, like as a freshman or sophomore, think of how, how dumb you were as a kid or, you know, what mistakes you made. So, yeah. so and yeah. to, uh, LTT's credit, he, he's never made excuses for it. He's always been very upfront that he made mistakes. And part of the, um, story is he, he's currently got a foundation that he runs called failures, never final. Um, where he does a lot of work and a lot of outreach with, um, I believe it's at-risk youth mm. in terms of um, like helping get funding for inner-city um, Pop Warner leagues, um, doing um, um, like tryouts with with the kids, little learning clinics. So he's um, he's been very upfront about it and genuinely doing a lot of good things to not necessarily atone for it because I don't think he's doing these to to kind of say sorry. I think he's a a genuinely good human being that that made a pretty bad mistake and and is taking accountability for it. Sure. And and there's a lot to be said for learning from it, right? So it's not necessarily atonement, as you said, but it's it's being able to you know, it's one thing for me to go and say, you know, kids don't do this, but it's another thing to say, hey, I was in this position, I, I made the wrong choice, and I, you know, pay the consequences for that. Being able to be in that position to speak from experience and to, um, you know, teach the value of not giving up, finding opportunities beyond those mistakes and, um, you know, continuing forward on the right path, that's that's really valuable. So that's, that's great to hear that he's, you know, turned it into something um, worthwhile and, and can spread that that valuable information that I think a lot of people could uh, could use in their daily lives, um, you know, athlete or otherwise. So, mm-hmm. so that'll be, that'll be really exciting. Do you have any, any timeline? Is it still in the works? What's the, uh, what's the game plan here moving forward? I'd like to say in terms of timeline, probably by the end of next week, ideally. But, um, again, the, um, I'd say that's pretty tentative. Um, I'll know more and I'll, I'll tweet something out. Um, the more info I get, get on it so nice then yeah. we will be doing something with uh ltt um it will be soon yeah i don't have a, a specific timeline but um the sooner the better yeah it's something i definitely want to make sure i give uh, enough time to to make sure i i have the the story i want to tell the the path i want to take on it and not just pump it out for the sake of, of writing something. I, I definitely like to take my time on um, some of these stories about individuals, sure. instead of, like the scouting reports and the um, the funny stuff I like to do too. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a good change up. I always find those projects are a nice change up. So taking it from you know scouting and then to the human aspect of it, that'll be that'll be a nice change of pace for. Mm-hmm. You know, both both yourself and and a lot of the readers of MGo Fish and people who, who consume the content here. So yeah, the um, the Jeffrey Percy story I wrote should be up soon. Ooh. It it's currently in uh, in possession 
by um, one of our esteemed editors. Um, just getting the uh, the final editing done. It should be up in the next couple days. Nice, nice. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. I'll be looking forward to that as well. All right, and uh, you can, you know, I'm sure at MGOFish, you'll see it on the at MGOFish, and you'll see it at Harrison Quinn 90, right? I said 80 last Absolutely. time, at Harrison Quinn 90 as well. Definitely follow me for it. Yeah. Follow MGOFish too, but um, I got to get those following numbers up a bit. Yeah, we got to uh, pump you up, man. We yeah, gotta we got to pump you up. I, uh, I got a little boost um, when I first started writing. And I took it seriously, and then I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't care about <laughs> followers. And now it's like the only thing I do care about is followers. <laughs> There's literally nothing else. Like Twitter following <laughs> is a top three sport in North America. So Right now, um, you might be true. <laughs> that might be it. It's up there with um, basket simulation. weaving. <laughs> it's up there with basket weaving and skydiving. I don't know. Those are probably social distance safe. Simu, have you have you heard of uh, like simulation Madden betting yet? No. So these Twitch streamers will um will set Madden on um like all Madden, move the controllers on the inside so it's just computers playing each other. Then they'll stream it on their Twitch channels, and people like bet on the lines. Oh man! Legitimate sports books are putting. A friend of mine lost seven hundred dollars because. Uh, the New Orleans Saints blocked a last-second kick against the New England Patriots uh, to win twenty-one twenty. Oh my so god! It's um, they're doing it with two K now too. It, it's it's funny. That's that's true. True degenerate hours when you're betting on simulated <laughs> video games. <laughs> that's crazy. All right. Well, yeah. Well, let's shift away from that because that's making me sad thinking of people <laughs> losing seven hundred dollars. But yeah, follow, follow Harry on Twitter for, for that upcoming story. He's got a couple in the works there. Um, that'll be exciting, man. Looking forward to that. Let's shift over to a couple couple recruit re- reviews that uh, that I recently posted. My first one, Blake Corum. We talked about him a little bit last time on the podcast. Um, just posted one on Sunday a couple days ago for Makari Page. Um we we talked a little bit on uh, over text, Harry, about your your thoughts about him. Um, for those not in the know of uh, Makari Page, he's four star, uh, about two hundred twenty five um, or so around there on the composite top two fifty recruit out of West Bloomfield, Michigan, for the class of twenty twenty. He's a, a true free safety type, six three, one eighty. Um, he had a top four of Michigan, Kentucky, Ohio State, and Penn State. And uh, I really liked him. I really liked his film. He's, he was projected from Alan True over at 247 as a late round pick when his time comes. Um, so I'll, I'll pause there. I'll, I'll get to my evaluation. But I want to get your initial thoughts, Harry, because I'm very interested on the little snippet we exchanged over text. I want to mm. get your your take on what he does well and uh, a little bit of the harsher areas uh, that I, I feel like I did point out but didn't, didn't mm. carry as much enthusiasm as you did. Yeah, so my um, last, last episode, I, um, I said my um, comp was Channing Stribling. Mm-hmm. I actually um, messed that up a little bit. I wanted to atone for it. It is not Channing Stribling. I gave him Jeremy Clark. 
Oh, okay. So Jeremy Clark and Shribling were, I think, six-year seniors together. Yeah. I mixed them up a lot. Um, but Jeremy Clark was a 6'3 safety out of Kentucky. Um, they're about similar in terms of the composite and where they lay in terms of overall safeties. So I, I think he's Jeremy Clark once he adds a little bit more weight. Um, part of why I think that, I agreed with a lot of what you said. I think he's got good instincts. I think he's got good ball skills. Um, sometimes bobbles a couple interceptions that you're going to want to have because those only come around every so often. But what I really noticed that was kind of uh, very meh for me, he tackles with his shoulder a lot. And it doesn't, it's not like a burst through the ball carrier kind of thing. It's, it's like they both stop on impact. I don't think he's a, a great tackler. I don't think he's a very physical tackler, but I think he's a, a good enough tackler that if you were to take him out of the, uh, maybe the free safety center field mold and maybe put him on the, the boundary corner where he'd be able to use his length, his hips, and his ball skills to his advantage in coverage while keeping guys pinned along the sidelines, I think that's probably where you'll see the most upside. I think a lot of Don Brown's safeties, I think he prefers them to, to be good tacklers in open field. Uh, I don't necessarily see Makari Page. I could be completely wrong. Um, I, again, I don't think he's a, a bad player whatsoever. I don't think he's a bad tackler. But when I watch him tackle and when I watch him play and when I see how he's built and how the roster composition is made up, I think it makes a lot more sense if he were to shift down in a, a corner spot. Interesting. Okay. Where maybe it takes less aggression and he's able to um, use his instincts a little bit better because yeah. he is um, – he, he does have great instincts. There, there are a couple plays where he really sniffs out screens well, where he's able to come up, but there aren't a lot of plays where he's able to, um, to wrong arm a blocker to make the tackle. He kind of waits for things to develop and doesn't necessarily attack right off the bat, which I think lends itself more to being a cornerback than it does being a Don Brown safety. But I definitely don't think he's a bad player. I think he just has a uh, an attitude that I would rather see playing corner. And I'd love to be wrong if he um, if he um, is just like Tyran Matthew Jr. <laughs> but um, I think a deep coverage boundary corner would be like I think he'd have first round uh, potential if he developed into a corner as opposed to mid-round potential to late-round potential if he developed as a safety. Interesting. So I, I agree with when he's coming down to tackle, he's definitely a, I'm going to wait until this guy decides and then mm -hmm. tackle rather than I'm going to force this guy into the ground, right? He's very much a, I'm hedging my bets. I'll give up the extra two to three yards. This guy has to choose which way to go. And then I'm going to attack. And, and I think that sacri he sacrifices that a bit for um, the safety of the play, for ensuring that he makes the tackle. So 
I all agree that he is he didn't come off as like an explosive guy who um I don't know comes down and, and you know thunders a hit. He does have occurrences of that, um, but it's more on like pass plays. Like he'll show up at the right time on a pass where in the run he's more waiting for a decision and then wrapping up a tackle than forcing the ball carrier into a decision, if that makes sense. So I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think my biggest concern, I I took another look at some of the, uh, some of the film is being able to work through blocks, not Mm -hmm. something I saw a whole lot and something he'll have to do a lot more. He'll have to make those decisions where, waiting isn't an option because you're inviting a blocker to, to block you, you know? So, so I don't think he'll be given the opportunity to do, you know, use his athleticism, which is at a different level now at the high school level to make that work. He'll have to be quicker and make quicker decisions there um, in order to, you know, ensure that he's taking the correct angle first instead of playing the waiting game. So I totally agree with that. And you made a good point where his man-to-man skills are uh, way above average for a safety, and at that size, that's a very intriguing aspect of you know a possible transformation in his uh, in his role there from safety to a boundary corner. So I, I could totally see that. And then the final thing that you mentioned was he did have a tendency to go high and tackle with the shoulders. I noticed that too, in combination with his good instincts and good routes. There were a couple of plays I highlighted. Um, where, and one stands out, especially the opponents were on about a 15 yard line and they were, they were going for a fade, um, to the end zone and mm-hmm. he was playing, um, I don't know what it was. It, it seemed like cover one. He was just deep safety in the middle of the field, saw the quarterback turn towards where the fade was going. And he immediately just flips his hips, sprints, and just demolishes the guy with yeah. a, a shoulder tackle. And Dude, that hey. was... Yeah, and it was a great play, and I felt like that was the play where I saw, like, like I saw it. I was like, yep, that's how he, like, will be used at Michigan. And that's how I want him to be used, because his instinct to follow his eyes there, <clears throat> you know, use his decent speed, not not elite speed, but he took a perfect angle to where the ball was going to be thrown and use that skill, that physicality with his shoulder, which he's better suited for than what we were talking about of the run support. So I, if I, I can deploy him in that scenario on every play, I'm totally, totally on board, but I understand I, it's not how, be the case. how he's deployed plays a really big role yeah. in, in what he projects to be. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I think we really have um, a similar uh, vision on, on him as well. Again, I think he's really good. The, the play you were mentioning, I, I watched your breakdown. I thought it was, really well done as always. Um, and I thought that you did a really good job highlighting the, the pros and, and the cons while without um, using too much of, of a bias. But what I would be kind of interested, I I'm, part of me thinks that he might make a pretty solid Viper. Um, because so with, I, I love, um, love, love, love RJ Moten. I'm excited for you to, uh, to watch him. He's, I, I genuinely, um, think he's going to be a, a first round pick. I think he's a stud. I also like Morant. Both of those dudes are really explosive, but if they were to, to shift the, the philosophy of the defense a, a bit and a Viper, 
was maybe more of a, a shifted safety on the using like to use it in coverage. I think he'd fit really well there. But I think in terms of deployment, like you said, uh, his coverage stands out. His instincts stand out. You want to put him in position to do those things really, really well without having to worry about, um, man, like he's a good cover guy, but if a tight end gets the ball over the middle, it's 50-50 on if he's making a tackle. Sure. Um, so I, I do think he's um, better suited for corner. Yeah. Uh, but and, and part of that has to do with how high I am on R.J. Moten and how much I like – I wouldn't say love. I would say deeply like uh, Morant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Will Mohan, was, you mentioned he was a safety. Has that been announced yet? Has been announced. No. Okay. So is that just because I wasn't sure if I missed something or if it's just did he say he was going to safety or it's projection? That was or... just projection based okay. off of the depth chart and uh, and his like high school experience. But honestly, yeah. your guess is as I good can, as mine. I can see it. I, um, I think he'll end up there. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't sure if that was – I think he's going to end up at least at first. I think him and – if I were to predicate a guess, I think he and Moten both end up at Viper with Moten playing some safety. And I then I too. think Makari Page will, will get some safety corner and Moran will be pure safety. Yeah. Um, because I think – and by the way, I do think um, hitting ability is probably – the most overrated part of uh, being a safety. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that him being like a less than ideal tackler means that he can't be a really good safety. What I do think is that his length and coverage ability uh, will allow him to uh, tee off one-on-one more on the boundary with elite wide receivers and give Michigan – some more depth at corner, which they've been lacking a little bit. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It was, it was a big safety haul. So, you know, if, if he can hack it there, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, a six, two and a half, you know, plus coverage guy is, you know, a potential first or second round pick, you know, if that works. So if that's, you know, a, a place they want to explore first, the upside there is so high. Uh, that I would be all on board for that. So I mean, you know, you know who else um, switched positions to play cornerback at six three under Jim Harbaugh? Who's that? Maybe a guy that wasn't necessarily the fastest guy, wasn't necessarily the biggest guy, but was about six three one eighty. Was he, he smart? Richard? He, was, he was really smart. Yeah, he's, Richie. He's a really smart guy. Richie Sherman boy. Richie Sherman. <laughs> now, by the way, I think that's an incredibly – by the way, my favorite uh, – this is a quick little tangent. My favorite Richard Sherman moment that everyone forgets. Do you remember the um, – well, I mean I'm sure you remember 2007 for yeah. a variety of reasons. But the um, actually the biggest upset by point spread wasn't App State, Michigan. No, it was, it was Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. And Richard Sherman had a fourth and 16 reception – um, to get them into the red zone. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, people talk about that year as, as if, uh, app state over Michigan was biggest upset and it wasn't even, it wasn't close really. In, in hindsight, that's, I, it was a big upset for what it meant. Right. 
in hindsight, that App State team was so fucking loaded. Dude, they would have won at least seven games, I think, in FBS that year. I mean, they were the FCS champions, Four. right? They were. I think. I think know. they probably beat all but maybe fifteen teams. They were. They were a good team, and Michigan was not nearly as good as their ranking. It was a perfect yeah. storm. All right, it let's was, let's move off yeah. of that. It's making me sad. Let's. Uh, <laughs> so it's funny. We've been talking about Macari Page switching to, or you know possibility his upside at corner and then my next uh the next episode of recruit review i'm in the process of putting together right now is probably the exact opposite you can think of of a cornerback you go from six two and a half to six three down to uh this guy who is five eight and a half five nine bulldog maybe. bulldog of a guy yeah maybe five nine maybe. I think that's generous. But I, I think he. I think he did actually uh, get measured at the uh, the opening. I'm, oh, did he? Don't quote or at the Under Armour All American game. Don't quote me on that. I have to check. But uh, I think he did. Trotsky putting his reputation on the line. <laughs> Five nine, two hundred. Uh, says he's been weighed in. <laughs> but he, he's a small. He's a small small man. But mm-hmm. he he's a bulldog. You know, in, in in terms of your, you know, if you're going for toughness, if you're going for attitude, um, he's a guy who wants to be challenged by everyone, hit the camp circuit a ton. Um, like I said, it was an Under Armour All-American, um, was called out by uh, Pac-Man Jones during practice. He won a couple of the, uh, you know, MVP practice awards. He did really well in the actual Under Armour All-American game against Julian Fleming, number one wide receiver. Uh, who's now at OSU. Um, he's out of Bellevue, Michigan. I'm talking about Andre Selden here, the cornerback. He's uh, around 160 overall on the 247 composite. <clears throat> Harry, I've said too much about this guy already. What is your take? You have your take on Makari Page. I'm really interested to see the opposite side of the spectrum here for Andre Selden, the guy who seemingly has all of the skill set outside of the measurables oh yeah andre selden's a flat-out stud yeah oh andre selden's fantastic um like you said five eight so he's a little undersized what i'm a little uh, upset you didn't mention that i think needs to always be mentioned first and foremost about andre selden um you mentioned he, he um got some credit from pac-man jones which is great But he also literally was given, like, cleats saying he was, like, the best player that day by Deion Sanders. Literally, like, prime time Deion is like, this guy is good. I'm going to, like, shout this dude out. That always needs to be mentioned. Um, With Selton, he's really good technique-wise. But what I love more is he's got that attitude. Um, He's got that attitude where, you know, like this guy is not going to let people beat him. One of my you mentioned the uh, one on ones with Julian Fleming. Uh, He looked great there. But what I was even a little bit more impressed with was the uh, one on one fade drill. He was running against Darnell Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe Washington went to uh, Georgia. But Darnell Washington, I think, is 6'7", 250. He's a tight end, wide receiver combo. So he's got about a foot on Selden. Uh, Selden played it really, really well, was in perfect position, uh, was able to knock the ball away. And there, 
and you're not going to be able to simulate a perfect camp setting like that for, for the receiver where you know where the ball's going and it's a perfect one-on-one put in the right spot. So he's a great coverage guy. He's a great follow on Twitter. He, uh, he chirps the uh, Penn State commits a decent amount, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, and what I really like, yeah, he's 5'8", but he's got a 38-and-a-half-inch vertical. Yeah, he can jump. Do you know, do you know where that would put him in the uh, in, in the NFL draft at the combine? I do. That would put him fifth in the draft overall. Fifth in the draft overall. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. Okay, he'd put him fifth as at for corners. Fifth at corners overall. Yep. Fifth at corner. I was uh, I was on the corner slash safety page, so yep. I was about to say. Okay, so that makes more sense. So, and the guys ahead of him, by the way, Jeffrey Okuda up there. Okay, like sure. if you're telling me that he's less athletic and a little less talented than Jeffrey Okuda, like I'm not going to argue with you on that. But it, he plays like he's 5'10", 5'11". I think he's going to project really well to being a stud slot corner. Right. I don't think that because of his height. I don't think you necessarily have to put your shorter corners in um, in the slot in the nickel. What I do think is with what Penn State, Ohio State, and some of the other top programs like to do in, in terms of getting the the KJ Hamlers, the Paris Campbells, the uh, Curtis Samuels in positions to make plays in the open field, I think it would behoove Michigan to have a really athletic lockdown guy with the quickness to stay with those players. Yeah. I think that's where they've gotten burned quite a bit in terms of Noah Furbish, too big to cover those guys. Mike McRae, too big. Uh, Uche and Hudson, a little too slow. Um, so I think if you get him as sort of that uh, dynamo corner guy where he's going to follow the KJ Hamlers and the Paris Campbells um, in the slots, I think that's going to be a great um, position for him to play where he can lock down a lot of those um, post wheels, uh, slant wheels, curl wheels, and uh, drag routes over the middle that, that K.J. Hamler and Paris Campbell have um, killed Don Brown's defense on. Yeah. So that, that's why I kind of project him down on the inside a little bit. It's got nothing really to do with his, his height as much as it does what he brings to the table. I think being able to effectively lock down that area – is a pretty like important thing to have for sure and that's those I, i'm really glad you ended with that um the paris campbells the kj hamblers of the world that's where you know a lot of those guys are being deployed in motion so you know andre selden would be the guy you know following him across the formation that's where having clean footwork really good technique is imperative because you know if a guy's going across a formation in motion, you're going the wrong way. Your change of direction to, you know, be able to cover him on his slant going the opposite direction. There's no room for wasted movement. Um, Jermaine Crowell, the, the head coach of Bellevue, um, who he worked with, you know, Lavert Hill. He worked with Jordan Lewis when, when he was at Cast Tech. Um, so this head coach, Jermaine Crowell, called, called Selden one of the twitchiest guys uh, on – that he's ever coached. So 
having that skill set um, for that task for the KJ Hamblers of the world is going to be imperative. That that'll be exactly the kind of guy who I want. Where if you're five eight or five two, doesn't matter, man. Be on his hip, you know, <laughs> like that. That's all you need to do. So, so I totally agree with that. I, I uh, was impressed with his physicality, and in a lot of the one on one drills, he's very subtly physical will where he'll throw a guy off their route just with a little bump here and there so that is so important where i i noticed that and i watched a lot of jeff okuda's film where he just bothered guys man nothing looked comfortable for the wide receivers and that's just because you know he'll have a little tug here and there just a little bump to throw someone off balance little things like that where you'll maybe get called but knowing that and having that in your repertoire already and practicing that, all you have to do is is bring that down. But I feel like it's really, really hard to ramp up. And it's knowing how to do those little subtleties to, to throw wide receivers off is to get that advantage back to you, right? Because those wide receivers who are running four threes, that's what you have to do to slow them down. They're already, they know what route they're running. Those are the types of things you need to deploy. And those are the types of things that really set Jordan Lewis apart. You know, he was slightly undersized, but, um, but yeah, and that's what Selden impressed me most about, you know, not only being able to hack it at that height, but um, being able to have those subtleties that I feel like is just a necessity to, to have on the next level. That's hard to teach. So and for a guy, his size, uh, we, we've talked about it before in terms of how um, the rating services, a lot of the times, a big part of that projection is, is how they see him at the next level. Yes. So for a guy that's five, eight to be a legitimate top 200 guy that takes a significant amount of, uh, skill set. Yeah. They, they project him undrafted. I'm going to assume a large part of that is his, uh, is his size. I get that. The NFL, uh, maybe a little less, uh, forgiving on his size, but I still think he's going to get drafted. Do you have a Do you have a comp yet? Because I've got I've got one that I really like. There was one on two four seven, but I didn't have my own comp yet. I was still looking through guys, so I'd be interested to to hear yours. Okay, good, perfect. Um, two four seven gave him uh, Jonathan Jones, I think. Yep. I think Rutgers, and then the New England Patriots. Uh, Auburn, and then the Auburn. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um. I see um, – I kind of think Luke Dennis, Lucas Dennis. Okay. Where, where okay. was he out of? Boston College. Uh, okay. So he, he was 5'9", 5'10", coming out of Boston College. Um, I can't rem- – I think he was a he, – yeah, he was a Don Brown recruit. Yeah. Um, played some of the um, nickel corner – was able to shift to safety a bit. I think maybe if you keep Lucas Dennis at corner, um, probably I like him. Um, Darnell Savage, I was thinking about, but I think he's a little too athletic. Yeah. And was a bit too, um, like just all over the place good. Um, but yeah, it, it's tougher to find like a, a good comparison for a shorter corner. Um, Jordan Lewis, I think, would be a great one. I think yeah. um, play style wise, but I think Lewis has a little bit more size and a little bit more 
Like, I, I wouldn't want to – I think Jordan Lewis is probably one of the five or six best college corners I've seen. So I, I don't want to project guys to that unless I'm, like, going to stand on a box for him. There's only uh, there's only three guys in last year's class I'd stand on a box for. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I could I could see it where uh, I, I think Jordan Lewis was a little faster in Selden, mm-hmm. but but um, you know his composite was around 116, so he was a little bit higher. But again, he was 5'10", so I yeah. th- I think skill set wise, it's very it's not a bad one because I think Jordan Lewis's physicality and his I don't, I don't know. His competitive nature was what stood out more to me than his speed. Yeah, I think skill set wise, it's a great one. Yeah. Uh, I think skill set wise, um, he matches up really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think wasn't Crowell at um, Kaz Tech when Lewis was there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he coached Lewis. Yep. Yeah, so he coached Lewis. So, and by the way, um, um, Selden's cousin. Have you seen anything on his cousin? I have not. So his cousin is a 2022 commit, Miles Rouser. Oh, okay. It's like 6'2", 180 already, projected to be one of the top 50 players uh, in the country. Yep. Dude, stud. Um, and yeah, when I say I won't stand on a box for um, Andre Selden, it doesn't mean that I, uh, I don't think he's going to be a stud. He's one of my favorite players in the class. But in terms of standing on the box for guys, I, I think – the physical attributes have to match up perfectly with the um, technique and him. There's a little bit of projection to be done in terms of, okay, he's like five, eight, right. I'm not sure how well he's going to project, even though I think it's very well with say RJ Moten, who I gave a Jabril peppers comparison to Uh, he's got the technique, he's got the athleticism and he's got the physical traits that I think that they all line up really, really well, sure. and I stand on a box for him. Fair, fair enough. Um, final, final fun fact from uh, about Andre Selden: he had only five Power Five offers before, and one of them including Michigan. That's because he committed back so, in 2018. So yeah, he was yeah. he was a Michigan guy through and through. Um, pretty similar to to Jordan Lewis in that regard, where. Mm-hmm. Um, where Jordan Lewis only had offers from Toledo and then Michigan, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Uh, if we can just go down that little rabbit hole for like two minutes. Yeah. Um, this early for guys that commit that early, I wouldn't say it's a fair uh, marker to use offers. I think we touched on this a bit with uh, Casey Finney, but A, he, uh, it, he committed before his junior year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there wasn't a ton of, film out there on him it was a lot of michigan seeing him at camps and because he was local and then he was so solid to michigan that a lot of teams didn't waste very yeah. much time recruiting him because it'd be a waste of resources i would bet you a lot of money he has double he had double digit uh power five offers just from teams saying hey we'd like to offer you a scholarship would you be interested yeah and him saying no exactly yeah, from no. with um with Jeff Percy and his father and a couple of other recruits. Uh, Jeff Percy had an LSU offer, a Washington offer. Those came in after he committed to Michigan. He didn't feel like reporting those because, like, I'm so set on Michigan. I don't really see the point. Um, So a lot of that's um, what the guys themselves will report. Uh, So I bet you if he didn't commit to Michigan so early, we would have seen an Ohio State offer. 
probably would have seen a Notre Dame offer. Definitely would have seen a Penn State offer. 100%. Yeah, 100%. It, it's strictly a, I am done with my recruitment and mm-hmm. I am a sophomore. Um, yeah. So so no, it definitely isn't an, an, an indictment against him. Just a yeah. uh, just a fun fact of, of how early he was set, which is just a pretty pretty rare these days. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that was great. Okay. It's going to be yeah, it'll be exciting. I'm excited to to go through his film here. Um, man, we're we're flying through the time here already. Okay, let's uh let's commit to to talking. Give me give me two minutes about TJ Guy. I, I want to uh, cover him on our next episode where we we focus on upcoming guys and, mm-hmm. and possible guys upcoming. Um, give me your take on him. You know, he's a six four. 240 uh 2021 commit um three star about 760 on the composite uh weak side defensive end out of massachusetts mm-hmm. what's your initial thoughts about this guy um no pun intended because his name is tj <laughs> guy but uh oh, give, <laughs> give me your initial thoughts harry i think he's solid he's a physical player um decently athletic I, I kind of uh, just have a tendency to uh, sort him in, in the bin of uh, Chris Jenkins, Dom Giudice, Mike Morris, and um, there was one other guy, I think, last year, uh, of kind of like the 6'4", 6'5", mid-200s defensive ends that I think um, a large number of are going to be shifted inside to play uh, defensive tackle. Mm. Uh, I think it's kind of just a – um, way to get athletic players that may be a little undersized, develop them, put the weight on them. And when, and if that athleticism carries over, uh, you have a very, very promising defensive tackle and a guy that has the athleticism of a defensive end. That's sort of where I'm kind of grouping these players until further notice. Um, nothing really stands out about TJ guy as like in terms of him being, outstanding he's really solid at a lot of different things he's smart he's physical he's versatile um but he's just a a, a plus athlete he's not a stud and i think when you get those plus athletes at defensive ends those solid players if you're able to shift them down and put 30 40 50 pounds of muscle on them in, in two to three years all of a sudden you have an elite athlete on the interior as opposed to a pretty good athlete on the edge. So I kind of just group him into that range. I, I really like what Don Brown's doing there. Um, I don't know if I've told you this stat, but 60, I think it's 59 to 63% of um, defensive tackles drafted in the last five years were not recruited as defensive tackles. That's really interesting. Like, that, that makes sense. Um, it's same. I'm just trying to think Quinn and Williams defensive, uh, Okay, I'm just going to pull up the chart real quick. You can give your thoughts, but I, I spent a lot of time on this, so I'm going to read some of it. Sure. Yeah, the uh, I, I totally agree with like the the true elite defensive tackles who are already, you know, physically who they will be. Yeah. Those are the five stars that you know mm-hmm. are immediately going to, um, you know, go into the OSU's and the LSU's of the world already. So. Mm-hmm focusing your time on, on identifying guys who have room to develop those plus athletes who, you know, it, can they handle an extra 50 pounds to get up to, you know, if you, if you were six, five two ninety, 
you know, um, can he get there? Um, and can he get, you know, anywhere close to that? And then if not, you know, can we still develop him into, you know, a, a defensive end that will be useful for us? So, you know, that projection is, is a lot of what makes someone, you know, not fit into, you know, a high four-star or five-star bucket, but it still lends itself to a lot of potential moving forward. Okay. Yeah. I just, I'm just waiting on this little spreadsheet to, uh, load, but I was pretty shocked. Because like you said, a lot of those guys, if you are six foot five, 315 pounds, and you have incredible athleticism and you're ranked in the top 20 nationally, it's a bit tougher for Michigan to land those guys because a lot of the time they live in the Southeast. Right. They're probably going to the Ohio states of the world. If they're, they're going to the Midwest at all, right? If, if, they're, if they're getting out of the, the Southeast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but when in Williams, um, where just okay, is this okay? I may have to just wait on this for next time. I'll I'll bring the chart up next time. There you go. Because the uh, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. Let's spend let's spend five five ten minutes there yeah. real quick. You just posted <laughs> what uh what I think was titled the best, and then in parentheses worst. Uh, mock draft for the Lions uh, starting tomorrow. What's the uh, <laughs> what was the motivation behind that? Was it you know if if I put this out there, it can't possibly be worse than this. Um, so then I'll be pleasantly surprised. Or <laughs> I'm very so, curious. So it's threefold. Okay, there there are three reasons for it. One, um, I'm very I'm a narcissist. I have a huge ego. If any of these picks hit, I look like a genius and there's really no downside. So it's like playing the lottery. True. Um, so that's, that's the selfish part. Um, I, am a big NFL draft guy. I, I love following it. Garrett and I talk about it pretty significantly. Uh, and he actually released his and, and I thought it was really, really good for the lions. And it got me thinking, well, like this is too good. It, it can't happen this way. It's not going to, um, and then third, I'm just a beaten down Detroit Lions fan. Um, same thing with Michigan, honestly. I'm just beaten down and uh, subjected to, to pain. And I just picked a mock draft of pretty good football players that would probably bring the most pain that it's still pretty likely to happen. So, And also I thought it was like a little fun and a bit of a swerve from what people normally do in terms of taking mock drafts super seriously. That's fair. No, I, I... – I generally look through mock drafts and I'm just like, how did this person, you know, come up with this? And I, I feel like something happens that so quickly throws it out of out of whack that, you know, rounds three through seven are completely thrown off by that. Maybe that's just my opinion. It's still fun, right? I, I'll never yeah. complain about reading through them because they're, they're a ton of fun to, to look at different potential picks and, and different lineups there. So it's definitely a lot of fun. But yeah, it was it was definitely some some comedic relief. All right. So give me, give me a guy or two that you seriously want the lions to draft and how, you know, how plausible do you think it is that they will? So give me like first and second round guys. First and second round guys. Uh, first I have to start off with, I desperately want the lions to trade down out of three. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that is, because teams in the five and six spot, they need cornerbacks yep. or quarterbacks. Uh, so with Tua and Justin Herbert there, 
you can kind of raffle off and see what fits the need the best. Right. I can tell you with, with some degree of certainty, um, and this is some, some inside info that I can probably break right here. I would be incredibly surprised if Tristan Wirfs doesn't end up going to the New York Giants at four. Ooh, I think they, they talk to him um, just about every day. Uh, Jedrick Wills uh, doesn't think that he's going to uh, uh, New York. Andrew Thomas, I think, thinks he's going to Cleveland. Mm. That's a little bit of uh, inside scoopage that I can give you. Interesting. Uh, so outside of Chase Young, I, I love Jeffrey Okuda. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy that I'm the most up in the air about that I think I'd be thrilled to have but probably disappointed with is Isaiah Simmons. Uh, and the reason I say that, I think he's a really, really good football player. I think he's got the potential to be a stud if he's utilized correctly. I don't have a ton of confidence that he will be utilized correctly. Interesting. So, um, so Isaiah Simmons, Jeffrey Okuda. And then honestly, if they trade down to like six, I really like Javon Kinlaw. Yeah. I think he's really good. I like him more than Derek Brown. So yeah. those are just three guys. I don't want to get in the topic of saying, oh, all these good players at the top of the draft would be good. Right. In terms of the second round, in my kind of fake mock draft, I, I gave the Lions two tight ends. <laughs> I saw that. Second round, Cole Komet and Adam Troutman. <laughs> I think that would probably be the most likely to happen. Um, but let's see. I'm just trying to take a look at um, guys in the second. I mean, if AJ Epineza falls a bit, I'd really like that. That'd be a good one. And I know, exactly. I know it's crazy to take a running back in the second round, but I remember I this was like earlier this year, maybe last year, I said that Jonathan Taylor would be the best running back in the NFL his rookie year. And I, st- mm-hmm. I stand by it. I don't See, I, I'm all in. If they take a running back, I, I want it to be J.K. Dobbins. I think J.K. Dobbins will be the best. I think Dobbins is – okay, so here's the um, – so this mock draft, and I'm just, I think this is Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's not Jeremiah, but whatever. It has the Lions taking Neville Gallimore in the second round. Big defensive tackle. Yeah. Uh, other guys still on the board. Christian Fulton, DeAndre Swift, T. Higgins, Josh Uche. He goes to the Jets. J.K. Dobbins, Jalen Rager, Chenault, Taylor, Willie Gay. And um, let's just top it off with... Um, cam acres so there'll be there'll be some talent i um epineza might fall he's uh he's been falling he had a pretty rough um combine he doesn't test too too well Mm -hmm. but i think that gives you a lot of opportunity to get a guy that's a genuinely good football player um grant delpit might slide down i'm a little nervous about him um but if i just had to pick someone oh this has the lions taking zach bond and Neville Gallimore. I, I think Zach Bond's my favorite. Nice. So Zach Bond, I, I want him. There He's a go. so Zach Bond. It is, which means it'll be a tight end. All right. I'm. I'm. I feel like all tight ends are cursed going to to the Lions, but that's just you know, that's just my uh, my bias. I'm not. I'm not up on the uh, <laughs> on the Lions, but but we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm. I'm excited for actual football content coming up here live football content and not me you know covering random recruits (laughs) so it'll be exciting it'll be exciting i'll I'll be interested to hear your thoughts of how the lions do last 
Last thing, if you just had to pick, let's just say Josh Uche, Cesar Ruiz, and really it's those two, right? Mm-hmm. At the top of the draft. Who do you think goes first? Cesar Ruiz. Cesar? Yep, because he's, he's a known commodity. Uche, you uh, you don't really see the projection. Cesar Ruiz, you can build an offensive line around. I think he's going to have a 10-plus year career. Uche could. Uche could and, and could have more upside. But I think if you're looking for a steady center, a dependable guy, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's Ruiz all the way. Yeah, and Ruiz, Tyler Biotish, the former number one center, yeah. uh, tumbling down injuries. So I think Ruiz, I agree with you. I think he'll be late first. Uche will be soon after. Yeah. I'm excited for them both. All right, Harry. Well, it's time for me to take off. Appreciate your uh, your NFL draft uh, insight there. Um, I'll uh, we got to connect next week. We got lots of recruits to go over. We got lots of crystal balls to dive into. Um, but we'll. Uh, I love balls. We'll <laughs> I gotta cut that out. <laughs> All right, Harry. You can find Harry on Twitter at Harrison Quinn ninety. You can find myself at Steven Toski. Besides that, man, have a uh, good rest of your Wednesday. Weekend's already approaching, and uh, enjoy the draft. I'll be I'll be Absolutely. texting you. I'll be texting you to see your uh, see what you think. Yeah, if uh, we if if anything happens, we may have to get like a little emergency pod in. That's but, fair. Uh, I think it was good. Uh, yeah, again, once again, um, stay safe. Uh, tell your parents you love them. Be nice to people. Um, Oh, just and, it, and by the way, if you um, if you're trying to do edits online and it's a really really bad edit, <laughs> don't get salty when rival fans say it's an incredibly bad edit because, like, this is horrible and and someone just got a little too salty. I'm not naming any names, but send, send me a link. <laughs> I will. I, I will send you the link. Absolutely. It, it, I was laughing my ass off. But yes, be nice. Be mindful, be realistic with what you're putting out there, and be safe. All right, Harry, you have a a good rest of your night, man. Go Blue. Go Blue.